Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. I want, to, uh, I want you to turn this morning to Luke chapter 1. I, I think, I know growing up in church, you know, I heard the Christmas story uh, many times, and usually it was in a Christmas program. That's where we usually heard the Christmas story. At some point, uh, someone would get up and there'd be a, a, a manger scene or uh, the scene of the, you know, with the wise men coming or something, and then someone would read a portion of scripture. But uh, I grew up not really knowing how all of the, of the uh, events really fit with one another. And so today we're going to just take a few minutes and read the, uh, all about the birth of Christ and the events surrounding the birth of Christ. Because I'm going to tell you that the birth of Christ without, without any uh, uh, qualification is the most told Bible story of all. It is the most uh, celebrated event in all of the Bible uh, it, in, it, in, there's something about the birth of Christ that just inspires majesty. It, it's, there's something about it. It's such a touching, such a beautiful story. And, and, but it's, of course, more than a story. It actually happened. But it's such a marvelous event. It's so full of wonder. It's so full of, of uh, just marvel there's there's no other way splendor there's no other way you can you can say it and so i want us to to read this morning the various passages having to do this and then i have a a, a short five point message that i'm going to bring at the end of that <laughs> why are you laughing at me <laughs> let's start in luke chapter 1 and we'll begin in verse 5 there was in the days of herod king of judea a certain priest named zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot, that is Zechariah's lot, fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was, out, was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And uh, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the 
obedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? He basically asked, how, 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 how do I know this is true? How do I know what you're saying is true? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service was completed that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now let's continue. Now in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel, the same angel that appeared to Zacharias, was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not, fear, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now there's a lot of difference between Mary's question and Zachariah's question. Zachariah was basically saying, how do I know that what you're telling me is true? That's not what Mary asked. She just said, how is this going to happen since I'm an unmarried virgin girl? Well, that's a reasonable question, isn't it? And uh, uh, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's continue on reading. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when, Mary, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice saying, Blessed are you among women 
and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, and behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and returned to her own house. Now let's just stop for just a moment and, and think about what has taken place. Zacharias and, and Elizabeth were uh, an, an elderly couple. The Bible says they were well advanced in years and they had no children. And so one day while Zacharias, who was a priest, was in the uh, temple going through his priestly duties, uh, he had a, a visitation. And the angel Gabriel, who really is an archangel, uh, one of the most magnificent creatures in heaven, uh, appeared to him and told him that he and Elizabeth were going to have a child. His name was going to be it's going to be a son. His name would be John, and that he would be a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ or of the Messiah, and that he would prepare the way of the Lord. Of course, we read that Zacharias said, "Well, how how can how do I know that this will be?" Basically, that was a question of unbelief. He said, how do I know? How can I believe this? And the angel said, well, you know, my name is Gabriel. He hadn't introduced himself yet. And he said, my name is Gabriel, by the way. And I've been sent to you to bring you this good news. But since you're such a bonehead and are so filled with unbelief and you want a sign to see whether or not to believe this, here's your sign. You'll be mute until the birth of the child, unable to speak. There, that's your sign. And so he left the temple, you know, and, and he, was, he tarried a long time in the temple. The people were wondering, you know, what had happened to him when he came out. Uh, his demeanor and his actions, the Bible says he beckoned with them, with his hands. We can only imagine what his gestures were like. He was beckoning. And so they, they perceived that he had seen a vision. And, uh, and so this, was, this happened to Elizabeth and, and uh, Zacharias. Like I said, they were very old, well advanced in years. And they had a cousin. Now, Elizabeth and Mary were cousins. Now, it's not likely that they were first cousins, given the, given the difference in their age, but they were, they were cousins nevertheless. And uh, uh, after, after Elizabeth had been pregnant for six months, she hid herself for five months. And then she finally, you know, uh, 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 you know, presented herself in public and people realized, you know, that this miracle had taken place. And, uh, and then shortly thereafter, this same angel appeared to Mary. Now, Mary was uh, probably a very quiet young lady, very godly, very holy uh, a young woman, very uh, probably, like I said, very quiet and reserved. And she had this awesome encounter with Gabriel. And Gabriel gave her a most startling message. 
that even though now, now she, the Bible says that she was betrothed or betrothed, I don't know which potatoes, patatas, but uh, betrothal or betrothal in those days, what are, you, what are you laughing at? Betrothal in those days was similar to uh, engagement in our culture, except that it was legally binding. When someone was betrothed uh, in those days, they entered into a mar- They were considered married, but they weren't fully married. They didn't have. They didn't live together. Didn't have sexual relations, but their financial arrangements and so forth were mingled together. And legally, they were considered married, and you couldn't separate without getting a, a certificate of divorce. You actually had to divorce one another. So here is this young woman, and. Uh, there's reason to believe that Joseph was, was maybe a bit older than her. And uh, here she has this visitation with, from this angel that says she's going to have a child. And uh, she's, you know, she's never been with a man. She doesn't, she's a, she's a, a pure young woman. And, and uh, you know, she, it's a startling thing to be told. How are you going to tell anybody about this? I mean, that's a story you just can't float out there. <laughs> Nobody would believe it. But thank God, in his mercy, he said, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth has also received a miracle. In her old age, she is, she is now with child, and this is a miracle that, that came from me. So God gave Mary somebody to talk to. So Mary, it says, with haste, she left home and we don't know, you know, who she talked to. You know, she may, it may have been the situation where she couldn't talk to her mother about it. I mean, what are you going to say, mom? Listen, mom, I have this story. Something, I had this angel appear to me. Oh, really? Well, bless your, bless your heart, darling. Tell me about it. Well, I had this angel appear to me, and uh, uh, it was actually Gabriel. Oh, really? Gabriel. The, Ga- the Gabriel that appeared to Daniel. Is that who we're talking about? The archangel. Yeah, mama, the Gabriel appeared to me. Okay, sit down, uh, darling. Tell me more. Well, h- how could she tell her this story? I would imagine any mother's response would have been, now you listen to me, young lady. You, you don't tell, don't you repeat this to anybody. I don't know how you get these crazy ideas into your head, but this is gonna come to a stop right now. I'm not putting up with this. Huh? So uh, she, she probably couldn't talk to her mom. How's she going to tell Joseph? Now there's a story that's going to be met with, with a different reaction. Not just uh, anger from a mother who thinks her daughter's lost her mind, but from a, a, a husband. They were actually considered husband and wife. This is a story that She's up to something. What is she trying to cover for? And, 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 but then she disappears. I don't know if she told Joseph what was up, but she disappears for three months. She just, with haste, goes up into the hill country to find Elizabeth. Thank God God provided somebody that had also had a visitation, had also received a miracle. You know, whenever you're in miracle territory, you need other people who understand miracles. You need somebody else who's had the touch of God. Isn't that right? 
And so she made her way to uh, Elizabeth's house and told her the story. And, and we read here what happened as soon as she came in and, and Elizabeth heard her voice. John the Baptist, six months, you know, in her womb, leapt for, for, for joy inside of her. She, he was filled with the Spirit. She was filled with the Spirit. She began to prophesy. Mary began to prophesy. Oh, you know, they must have had a, a wonderful three months. They must have had a glorious three months together just pouring through the scriptures and praying together and just, uh, just you know, just uh, reveling in and, and being amazed at what was going on in their lives. We could see Zachariah over here motioning with his hands as he's going through the scriptures and finding all the verses about the Christ and about the forerunner and everything that's happened. He can't talk, but, you know, they're talking. He's making motions, you know. It must have been a tremendous three months a blessed three months. But you know, the time for Elizabeth uh, to, to bear her child, you know, came and, and we don't know if Mary stayed right up until that time, but about that time she left. And it says in verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came to be delivered and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had showed great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Now let's go back to get the story. You have to now go back to Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter 1. In verse number 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public, her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. The, to put her away literally means divorce. He was, he was thinking about divorcing her secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of God, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So it was, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and they called his name Jesus. Now, you know, Joseph was a, was a godly man and an upright man and when Mary returned, you have to, to remember Mary had been gone for three months. I don't know if he knew where she went. She might have told him, listen, I'm going to visit my uh, cousin Elizabeth. Uh, but he certainly didn't know why she was going. And uh, she comes home and by this time, you know, it's, it's hard to, to hide a pregnancy. I've noticed this. Now, you're women, you women around here will, will bear witness with this. Women have a way. They just have a sense when, when another one among them is pregnant. When before Brittany announced to everybody that Brittany Jett, before she announced that she was pregnant this last time, and I think the time before, Angela told me, I think Brittany Jett's pregnant. I said, really? She said, yeah, I think she is. Women, 
just know these things. I don't know how they know them, but they know them. And so, you know, this, this had to have gotten out. People were whispering behind her back. She certainly was aware of it. So finally, you know, she had to confess to Joseph. And like I said, how in the world could a man believe this? He didn't have an, angel, an angelic visitation at the time. When she told him this, this wasn't Gabriel talking. This was Mary. And you can't blame the man. Her story was simply not possible. She had been gone for three months. She comes back. She's pregnant. You know, what are you going to think? What are you going to think? Like I said, Joseph, the indications are that Joseph was maybe quite a bit older than her. This was probably his first love. He was no doubt crushed. You know, just just so hurt. How could she do this? And then try to cover it up with this ridiculous story. And, uh, but being the honorable man that he was, you know, he didn't have uh, a vindictive response. He was still thinking about Mary. How he could uh, handle this, he would, he would divorce her quietly, secretly, maybe send her off to another town for her to stay until the child is born. At least save her some public shame and, and humiliation. So he was, he was very uh, uh, considerate and, and interested in her rather than in himself. And so while he was uh, sleeping, of course, we read here that uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him what had happened. As soon as he woke up, he did exactly as the angel told him, took Mary. They, they, they uh, formalized their, their, their wedding and their marriage, and uh, they lived together then until the child was born, and, uh, and she kept her purity. Now, I want you to go uh, back to Luke with me. The story picks up again in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2. We left off in Luke chapter 1 after Mary uh, left Elizabeth and John the Baptist was born. We didn't go through all the the, uh, things having to do with John the Baptist, his birth and so forth. But picking it up in chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, It came to pass in, in those days that a decree went out, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city, that is the city of his birth. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now here we have, uh, you know, Joseph and Mary traveling from uh, Nazareth down, which is probably about a 70-mile journey to Jerusalem, and, and Bethlehem was just south of, of Jerusalem, maybe five to ten miles. 
So this was a, a, quite a journey for Mary, you know, uh, large with child. You know, the child is about ready to be born. And she's on, you know, the donkey. And Joseph is leading her. And they're making their way. And, uh, and Mary's just, you know, doing what she has to do. And, and they get there. And there's no room for them. Now, Joseph had taken provision for his wife and child to rent a, a, a room in the inn to stay there. But they get there. And evidently, there were a lot of people in town for the same purpose that he and Mary were there. And so there were just no rooms. And so he finally, uh, you know, looked around kind of, you know, hurriedly and, and uh, finally found this, this stall, this animal stall. And maybe it belonged to the innkeeper and the innkeeper, someone gave him permission, you know, to spend the night there. So here he takes his wife into this, to this animal stall. And there in, in that uh, situation and in those surroundings, the Son of God was born. You know, with nothing probably but a blanket to lay across Mary, you know, as she laid in the hay. What an, what an inauspicious, what an what a, uh, uh, unlikely beginning. Here's this, this, these, this husband and wife and this newborn baby. They laid, Mary laid him in a feeding trough. That's what the manger was. It was a feeding trough where they fed the animals. Probably put some hay down, you know, and laid Jesus in there and you think about what, a, what an amazing picture this is. They are destined to be the most famous family in the entire Bible, in the entire human race. Mary and Joseph and the baby. And here they are in a, in a feeding stall, a trough, in, a, in an animal stall. And uh, that's the thing, I guess, that the part that makes this story so amazing, that Things that start out looking like they couldn't possibly turn out anyway, in any positive way, turned out to be the greatest event that had ever happened. There's a message in that for us. Amen. So anyway, they're, they're in this uh, uh, manger. And uh, it says at the same time, in the same country, Shepherds were living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And now, you know, we uh, observe Christmas, you know, in, in December, December the 25th. It's not likely that the birth of Christ took place in December. Because ordinary, you know, uh, Jerusalem and Bethlehem are at about 2,500 feet elevation. It snows a lot there in the winter. The winters can be very cold, very bitter. And shepherds were not usually out with their flocks at night in the winter. And so this probably happened more likely in September or October. But uh, there the shepherds were. And it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses was was completed, that's 40 days, they brought him to Jerusalem. They traveled from Bethlehem, the short distance, like I said, it was between five and 10 miles to um, to Jerusalem. They traveled to Jerusalem with with the young baby. They presented him to the Lord as it is written, in the law of the, of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, at this time, something else very important happened. They're in the temple. They're presenting uh, the Lord Jesus, you know, according to the law. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. What he was waiting for, when it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, that is is an expression referring to the fact that he was waiting for the Messiah. This was a man who uh, was was a spiritual man, he was a prophet, and he was waiting for the the appearance of, of of the Christ, the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess of the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her, her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Now you add that up, she, she had been a widow for 84 years. She had been married seven years before that. That's 91 years. And... Uh, assuming that she was, you know, between 16 and 18 when she was married, she was well over 100 years old. Somewhere like, you know, 107 to 110 years old. Well, it said she was of great age. That's pretty great age. And, uh, And it says that she did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now let's go back to the next verse uh, takes us. When they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. The grace of God was upon him. This actually jumps over uh, another incident 
and takes us to the end of the incident we're about to read about. So go back over to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. In verse 1 it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the child Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called for the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Now, our manger scenes and our nativity scenes usually have Mary and Joseph you know, at the manger and the baby Jesus, and we have the shepherds there. And very often we bring, like we did this morning, we bring the wise men. All of that didn't happen at the same time. When on the night that Jesus was born, the angels appeared to the shepherds and they came in to, to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph in the, uh, in the stall, found the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in the manger. That took place the very night Jesus had been born. But this was evidently two years later. Because if you read on a little bit further, you'll see that, that the wise men must have given uh, Herod a time frame that the star had appeared to them two years before. And so apparently when Joseph and Mary, and Mary after they traveled to Jerusalem and presented Jesus in the temple, you know, uh, uh, to before the Lord, evidently they returned to Bethlehem and actually found a house and took up residence and stayed there for a couple of years. And so they were still in, in Bethlehem, but Jesus was no longer an infant. He was a young child. And so Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had, been, had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Of course, he never intended to come and worship him. This was just to cover for his own uh, 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 murderous intent. Uh, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, notice it wasn't a manger, it was a house. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child, not a baby, but a young child, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And there he was till the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. 
And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. So here you can see that, uh, that Jesus had been born two years prior to this and they had seen his star and had come. Then, when, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping, reaping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside to the region of Galilee and came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, his name, or he shall be called a Nazarene. So here you have... uh, the, the story of the birth of Christ. Like I said, it is the most widely told story. It is the, it is the happiest story of the Bible. It is a story that inspires the best in people. It, it inspires hope. It inspires uh, uh, faith in God. It, it, it is, like I said, it inspires the best of humanity all over the world when people embrace it. But you know, there's a message here for us today that, uh, that, I, that the Lord pointed out to me that I think is really important about our own lives. None, I have five points and I will cover them very quickly. Number one, God has a plan. This didn't just happen out of the blue. I said this didn't just happen out of the blue. This was prophesied. Remember we quoted the scripture from Isaiah chapter seven, uh, the angel quoted it, that... Uh, for unto you a child is born, the virgin, there will be a virgin who, who will conceive and bear a son. This, was pro- this event was planned by God long before it happened. And, uh, you know, uh, John the Baptist, God brought forth John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Lord. Listen, God has a plan for your life. And it's not haphazard. Now, when you say God has a plan for your life, it's, it's almost as if those words just sort of fall on the ground because it's, it's almost trite. Everybody knows God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for your life. Now, let's get on with my plan. <laughs> but God really has a plan for all, all of us. And it's not something that he just threw together at the last minute. God knows us. He knew all about us. He has a plan. There is a divine destiny for all of us to fulfill. And uh, just like God prepared someone before the Lord Jesus, God has sent people before you to prepare your way. You know, the plan that God has for you, there are more people involved than just you and God. Just like God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Lord, there have been people in your life who have gone before you, who have prepared a way for you. Don't trample on what other people have done. 
When people have laid a path for you that's a godly path and you know it's the way of God, honor them. Respect them. Jesus had, had absolute honor and respect for the, for the uh, ministry of John the Baptist. We ought, listen, we ought not look down on, on things that have gone before and say, well, this is a new age and, and this is a new time and I can make it on our own. Listen, everything God's doing in your life is tied to somebody in the past. Somebody has sacrificed. Somebody has been sent from God before you. Amen. And, and to me, that's just a, a, an amazing thing that God loved me enough that he had a plan significant enough in my life, for my life, that he put people in my past who have contributed. Glory to God. God has a plan. Number two, God will provide according to his plan. God provided Elizabeth for Mary. You know, the path that God gave Mary uh, didn't seem like an easy one. God was requiring some very unusual and difficult things for Mary. But he provided for her. He provided, like I said, he provided Elizabeth to talk to Mary. What about Joseph? God provided an angel to talk to Joseph. God always provides. You know, Anna Anna and Simeon were praying. This event didn't just come about, like I said, you know, it, it wasn't just conspired in in just the months before Jesus was born. Anna was over 100 years old, probably 110 or so. Anna had seen some of the most devastating things come to Israel, to the land of Israel in her lifetime. She was born basically 110 years B.C. Israel had gone through many, uh, there had been many, Uh, uh, oppressors there had been empires that had come and gone Jerusalem had been been, uh, overrun time and time again in 63 BC like I said now she was born 100 and something BC 63 BC Pompey invaded Palestine and besieged Jerusalem she was a young woman at the time maybe middle age she well remembered the time when, when uh, the troops, you know, were with their battering rams broke through the wall in Jerusalem and came in and, and overrun the city. It happened, that battle took place on the Sabbath and most of the Jews refused to fight on the Sabbath and so they were just slaughtered. It was a terrible slaughter. Pompey went into the temple or into the holy place, what was left of, you know, the old temple and and plundered it, went right into the most holy place where only the high priest is supposed to go. So they saw their temple profaned. They saw their nation and their, and their city destroyed. After that, 11 years later, another emperor came, or another uh, general rather came. He did the same thing. Then after that came Julius Caesar. And, uh, you know, he came into to, uh, Rome and, and became the emperor. And uh, he fought against Pompey. Pompey lost, you know, and he won. Of course, it was three years later, uh, Julius Caesar, Caesar met his fate, was assassinated, you know, in the Ides of March. After him was another uh, emperor, I think it was Augusta that came after him. And Augusta appointed Herod, uh, king of, of Palestine. Now Herod was, as we can see, Herod was a ruthless man. But he, uh, 
He did a lot of things to ingratiate himself to the people of, of Israel. He built this magnificent temple that in many respects even rivaled Solomon's temple. And it took a long, long time to build. He built this temple for the Jews and, and uh, I'm sure Elizabeth was, or, or, or uh, Anna was, saw this temple being built and when it got completed enough that they could actually go in and worship it, worship inside the temple, it said that she was continually in the temple praying and, and, and calling on God. Listen, she saw Israel go through times where it looked like there was no hope for Israel. There was destruction. There was, uh, they were besieged. One emperor, one governor, one ruler, one king after another came in and, and just ravaged the people and ravaged the city. But she kept on praying. God sent someone to pray about this plan. God sent Simeon. He was praying about it. The plan that God has for your life and my life not only has God sent people before you, there are people right now praying for you. Did you know that? There, I said there is someone somewhere right now praying for you. How do we know that? Romans tells us that through the, through the intercession of the saints that all things work together for the good of those who love God. I don't, I don't think we often consider the fact that where we are and the progress we've made in God, somebody, somebody went before us, somebody paved the way for us, but there are people who have spent time praying for us. That's why praying in the Spirit is so important. It's so important because we're not praying for ourselves. We're praying for other people we don't even know about. You know, sometimes we, we couldn't effectively pray for ourselves. If we knew the plan of God, we wouldn't pray the right way. We would, we, would just, we would pray selfishly, we would pray erroneously, we would pray our own plan, try to mingle it with God's plan, but God has somebody that's pray, praying out the perfect plan of God for every one of us. God always provides. I'm still on that second point, God always provides. Now I'm on the third point, he always, excuse me, always provides. He provided treasure. You know, God had, a, God had a, a mission and a plan for Mary and Joseph and Jesus and it required finances. How in the world are you going to uproot your family and go to Egypt and stay there? It takes funds to do that. God had a plan. God always leads. God always provides. Amen? Hallelujah. God will provide. That's number three. God, number four, God will protect and deliver according to his plan. God spoke to the wise men and said, don't go back the way you came. Don't go back to Herod. Listen, God will protect his investment. What he's planned for your life, what he's provided for your life, how he's led you. I think I skipped over the leading part, but that's all right. It'll all add up in the end. God, God will protect his investment. He will deliver you. It might not look like you're going to be delivered. When Mary was given birth in, in that stable, 
It might not have, things might not have looked really good at the time. She might have thought, all that has happened to me, and here I am in a, in a mule barn giving birth in the hay. But God provided. Amen. When the day that the wise men left their house, I'm sure Mary and Joseph were looking around going, what in the world just happened? They were now richer than anybody in Bethlehem. They were extremely wealthy at this time. They, these, these magi had brought gold fitting for a king. They did, this weren't just little trinkets. It took three of them to carry this. They were now rich beyond their wildest imaginations. God has a way of turning everything around. Amen. Hallelujah. God will protect. Joseph was warned in a dream to take the child, you know, and, and go into, into Egypt. Number five, God, here's the point, God will ultimately fulfill his plan. God will fulfill his plan according to his faithfulness and according to our faithfulness. You know, for 30 years, after, after the Magi left, and they returned, you know, back to, uh, to Nazareth and raised their child, raised Jesus in Nazareth. Nothing much happened, happened after that. There were no more angelic choirs singing on the mountainside. There were no visions. There were no more dreams. Gabriel didn't show up anymore. I mean, by this time, Gabriel's a good buddy, you know. He's like one of the family. Now he's gone 30 years, nothing supernatural, nothing miraculous, just ordinary life. You know, in, in the things that had happened surrounding the birth of Jesus at this time could begin to drift kind of into the past. And, and you know, maybe Joseph, we don't hear about Joseph again. He's never mentioned again after Jesus was 12 years old. You know, the incident when they went into to, uh, uh, back into, into Jerusalem and Jesus was... Uh, missing for a day. Uh, after that time, Joseph isn't mentioned. Maybe he began to doubt the things that had happened and the revelations that he had had. We don't know. He's not mentioned again, but Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart all of those years. She knew what had happened to her. She knew. You know, she no doubt uh, continued to face suspicion. You know, Bethlehem, uh, and then back in, maybe that's why they stayed in Bethlehem for, for a little bit longer. But they eventually returned to Nazareth where she had lived and had been raised, where Joseph was from. You know, there were people there that still remembered back when Mary got pregnant and the unusual circumstances, and they got married, she was three months pregnant. I mean, they get married, and six months later, she's having a child. You know, people can add up, you know. They know the calendar. So no doubt Mary was, you know, the subject of some suspicion and some, and some gossip all of her life. But she kept these things in her heart, kept pondering them in her heart, just kept them in her heart. And when the day came for Jesus to begin his ministry and they all went to the wedding feast, remember it was Mary that said, whatever he says, do it. She had faith. She knew what God had said to her. She was there all through his earthly ministry. She remained faithful. She was there at the cross 
And just exactly what Simeon had said to her came to pass. She saw that he was a sign that was spoken against. As his ministry began to, to come to a head against the rulers of, of, of Israel and the contention and the fighting and the plotting, she remembered this is that sign Simeon told me about that he will be spoken against. She was at the cross. Sword pierced her own soul. She saw her son hanging on the cross, but she stayed with it. She was there on the resurrection morning. Glory to God. She was one of those who heard the story right away. He has, he's alive again. She, she was there on the day of Pentecost. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, God will always fulfill his plan. Let's stay faithful to what God's told us. Let's stay faithful. Now, you say, well, what is his plan for my life? It's found right here. It's, God's plan for your life is found in the word of God. And if you'll just obey God's plan for you according to his word, being mindful of the people who've gone before you, I'm talking about personally in your own life that God has put in your life to bring you where you are today. When you'll be mindful for the fact that you're of the fact that you're not alone, somebody's praying for you, somebody's working for you. God is on God is doing some things behind the scenes. Even if it seems like a long time goes by and nothing miraculous happens, God's still working his plan. He's still working his plan, and it'll come to pass in your life. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. And don't you know when 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 Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? with the others but you, can, can you imagine the thoughts that were going through her mind when all the others in Jerusalem were gathering around and it was 120 in the upper room and she had gotten to know the, you know the disciples so well and the other followers of Jesus her mind had to have gone back to the day when that angel when Gabriel appeared to her and said Mary highly favored you're highly favored and something marvelous and wonderful is going to happen. At that time, she's probably so glad, so thankful that she believed and just simply followed God's plan. She didn't always know what was going on. She didn't during those 30 silent years, you know, of Jesus before he went into his ministry. And then the three and a half years of his ministry. She didn't always understand everything. But she knew the plan God had given her. Just stay focused on the plan. Just keep, just keep walking the plan. Amen. Let's stand up. Praise God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.